Hello and welcome to the podcast Lotus Eaters episode 666. I'm your host Harry, returning from a bit of a break. And 666? Sorry, I, I, 660. Sorry, I, oh, I no, immediately I, got the heavy metal number in my head. I, I didn't even realise you got it wrong. I was just thinking, oh my god. No, Is no, this a number we should have skipped? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the one we need Connor on. Yeah, that, yeah that's a good and point. Yeah, 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 he has to do yeah. it. As yeah. you can tell, I'm here with Carl. Hello. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be talking about the BBC creating a ministry of truth, or being a ministry of truth. Oh no, they've actually created. Oh, they've created a, a separate new ministry of truth. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Legend of Zelda's new game causing all of the fan to desperately want the main character to be a twink or tranny or variation of such. I oh, can't Link just be a guy looking for a girl? No, he is a based Christian adventurer saving his princess. Oh, he's the and that's Doom canon. Guy. Right, okay. That is canon. <laughs> well, actually, people have been complaining about Doom guys. Yeah, as well. I know. I've seen. I've seen. Sorry. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about celebrities struggling with modernity. And uh, we've got. Is that going out live later on today? Uh, what, this? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, after the podcast, I'll be doing a book club. Uh, live with Stelios on Julius Evola's Revolt Against the Modern World. It'll be part one of two uh, because the book is split into two parts and because it's a really thick book. And not just the thickness of the book, you know, I could summarize that in one sitting. It's just that the density of concepts and the uh, absurdness of the concepts. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, no, no. He's, he's so far removed from what modern uh, sort of metaphysics are that I think it's going to take at least two parts. Well, he's a proper traditionalist, isn't he? Yeah, and he's laying out, the, in the first half, he's laying out the genuine, like, the, the genuine metaphysics of the traditional world. And it's so far removed from what we are post-enlightenment that honestly, there's a lot to get through and a lot of, uh, a lot to just try and unpack. And so I'm going to break it into two uh, sections. The, the second section is about essentially like the fall of civilizations and why our civilization sucks. And of course, he thinks it's like, well, we'll stop being traditional. And uh, it, it'll be really, really good. I'm sure I've there's been, sense to be made from I, that. I've, re so. I've read this like three times now because you have to read it multiple times. You have times been reading it for ages. I was wondering I if you were just taking a long time with it. Well, I, I was, but because it's a difficult thing to grapple with for a modern to understand. And I wanted to get the most out of it. So it's going to be worth it. So we'll see you there. Yeah, check that out later. And with that, let's get into the news. So the BBC decided, you know what, we're, uh, we're bored, we're overfunded, and the public are saying things that we don't like. And of course, whenever a dystopian regime decides the public are saying things they don't like, what you need is a ministry of truth. And mm. so the BBC went out and decided, we're going to create a ministry of truth. You are probably missing one factor there, Go which on. is that they are also full of insufferable progressive uh, students. <laughs> they, indeed, they indeed are a bunch of socialists, yes. Yes, there are people working there who I probably went to university with who I would not like to spend an <laughs> evening with. I'll yes. just put it like that. And if you don't know what a ministry of truth is, go over to our book club and watch George Orwell's 1984, our analysis of it. Um, this classic, absolute classic, uh, is where the term ministry of truth comes from, and it really sets the stage because of what the Ministry of Truth is. The Ministry of Truth was, of course, the uh, regime, Ingsoc's propaganda uh, inst institution that maintained uh, the narrative that Ingsoc wanted. And, of course, that changed on a dime, as we're seeing narratives change on a dime now. And this is what BBC Verify is going to do. So this is... We'll get to the next one. This is um, BBC Verify. They, As you can see, they, BBC News has unveiled BBC Verify to address the growing threat of disinformation coming from the BBC. This has been going on for at least 10 years now, this fight against disinformation. This I fight believe that Twitter can... Disinformation. Yeah. So just to begin, disinformation is one of those words they, they use in order to specifically invalidate 
counter theories to their own narrative. It's there to put a bad smell on it. You, exactly. You seed in the public mind the idea that disinformation is something bad and evil and yep. only something bad and evil people would do. Yeah. Then you label anything you don't like with that. And conversely, we're the ones dealing with the bad and evil stuff. Therefore, we must be pretty good. Right. There's it's a deliberate frame game that they're playing here. Right. But uh, so the BBC has a disinformation correspondent called Mariana Spring. I mean, imagine your job being like, yeah, I, I correspond with, about disinformation. Like, Funny thing is, they always say this is our disinformation expert, and I've never heard of this person, never heard of any accolades this person has had, never heard of any news this person has. Heard. Why should I trust this girl? Well, no why should I care what she has to say? No particular reason, in my opinion. Uh, Other especially than that she's got the BBC seal of approval. Especially as her job title is literally someone who uh, disinforms. <laughs> anyway, so let's watch this video. Let's uh, let's see what they're offering us, shall we? Welcome to BBC Verify. Like you said, we are a team of investigative journalists here at the BBC. Uh, we are also a new brand and we are a physical location um, above the newsroom in London. Um, and the point of the team, as you said, is to verify video, to fact check, to counter disinformation um, and to analyse really complex stories so we can get to the truth of what's going on. I certainly trust them. Have the BBC ever misled us before? I really, my, my first thought is I cannot wait for these people to start tweeting and then to see the Twitter yeah. community notes. Oh, that's great, actually. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a BBC Verify Twitter account and it's going to get community noted Every constantly. single yeah, time. That's, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that. God bless Elon Musk. Uh, anyway, so that's, <clears throat> that's who's doing it. The BBC. In the BBC building. In the newsroom in London. It's like, right, all the most trustworthy of people. We're going to be staffed by journalists. Well, you've, you've lost me already. Uh, <laughs> but how are they going to be doing this? What are they going to be doing? What are the expert tools and techniques that they have to, to, to verify this information with? Well, let's, let's see. And I'm going to give you a bit of a flavour of the kind of work that the team are doing. Uh, so we're able to look at maps to geolocate um, specific uh, situations, stuff that's going on. Um, this is just a map of central London, where we are now. And this is New Broadcasting House, where I'm speaking to you from. Um, and it's not so important perhaps for the centre of London, but it is when we're analysing war zones or what's happening in hard to reach places. And there's a story on the BBC website today. It's looking at Russian fortifications um, on the front lines in Ukraine. Right. So they're going to be using Google Maps and reading online articles. I've seen Callum doing all of these <laughs> yeah. things sat, sat right next to me. Yeah. Well, you see, we, we're a, a specialist team of people who are doing things that the public and themselves certainly can't do. Look at Google Maps and Sorry, read articles. 4chan has been doing this for years. <laughs> and they're so much more proficient. Um, but this is the thing. like They're they offering literally nothing. Like This is literally nothing. Nothing that any person with a smartphone can do. Like, right, okay, I bet these people are being paid God only knows how much money. Right? But that's not all. Wait, there's more. Let's watch. There are other ways that we also are able to interrogate what's going on, including on social media. Um, I have some undercover accounts that I've set up for the BBC's AmeriCast podcast, and we use these kinds of undercover accounts. Um, these are the characters that the accounts uh, are, uh, belong to, um, uh, to be able to really understand polarisation online and how um, what's happening on our social media feeds and what we're being recommended and pushed to us can affect all of us. Um, and they don't offer us a totally um, exhaustive insight into what's going on, but they can help us understand just how social media works. I hope all of the profile pictures of the ones you see out in the wild have similar disinformation bars across the profiles. That is an interesting point, though, which is something that everybody needs to be aware of, which is 
there are plenty of just false accounts out there who sure. will probably try to interact with your posts if you're somebody who's yep. a bit of a dissident if you say naughty things on twitter or elsewhere the likelihood is you will probably be getting a decent amount of interaction from people who do not have your best interests in mind sure but look at what she's saying there like what has she got anonymous sock puppet accounts Ooh, bring back my pharaoh elon <laughs> 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 that's all i'm saying but that's that's nothing that's absolutely nothing that anyone else can do and does do doubtless but anonymous sock puppet wow oh look i'm pretending to be a progressive in a progressive space i'm pretending to be a right wing in a right wing space well brilliant like anyone can do that like this is not like specialist journalism there are thousands of people all over the internet doing they're just this copying right the now. fbi they are just copying the fbi right and so what's the purpose of all of this well the purpose is as she'll tell us and then there's also investigating uh, other mistruths and the real-world harm they can cause. Um, at the moment, I'm investigating the UK's conspiracy theory movement. I'm trying to understand more about how it's evolved and intensified since uh, the pandemic here in the UK. I'm looking at the alternative media that finds itself at the heart of this movement and a conspiracy theory newspaper that's a part of that as well. I'm looking at the way that alternative media is funded. I'm looking at its impact on local communities. I'm looking at its connections with far-right figures and also its foreign links um that's for a podcast series that will be coming out can in we pause June. it there a second it's called mariana so, just so we've got this on screen i just right? i would just like to just first off say um hello mariana thank you for tuning in today <laughs> yeah we are both the alternative media, media and far-right figures <laughs> i don't oh, you know flatter me yeah well i don't know what conspiracy theory newspaper is daily what, mail yeah, well it must be right? it will just be the or maybe daily the express mail. or something but they're, but they're not that far out there i mean you know, they're not that crazy. Daily Mail reports on the same things that every other newspaper does. They just actually do it in probably a much more thorough manner. Yeah, but what you can see here, right? This is exactly the problem with the BBC. This is everything people hate about the BBC. Because what they're trying to do here is, of course, create a series of people that they want to cancel, right? They want conspiracy theory newspaper cancelled, alternative media cancelled, UK conspiracy movement cancelled, far-right figures cancelled, and foreign links. And the way they're going to do it is say, oh, you're all funded by Russia. Okay. I mean, I don't think anyone's funded by Russia. I think Russia doesn't have money to spare, right? But, like, I don't know. But the point is, they're going to create a, a profile of people. They just want to cancel those because they disagree with us. Why? Because they're our competition. And Alternate media. Much better work than we are. Exactly. Alternative media, conspiracy theory, newspaper. I'm going to start spreading conspiracies that the BBC is spying on its competition. I d well, I mean, it seems to be what they're doing, actually. Using and the evidence is right in front accounts. of our eyes. But the point is, the, they're going after their competition, right? They, they do not like that there are people who are saying things they don't like, and they're going to want these people cancelled, right? But the fundamental fundamental disinformation lies that the BBC puts out. I mean, we'll get to others in a second, right? But this shows you precisely the problem, right? Far-right figures. Well, if you speak to any of those people, will they call themselves far-right figures? No, they'll say, well, I'm a conservative, or I'm homeless, or politically homeless, or <laughs> <laughs> not, not homeless or far-right. Although I haven't asked them, actually. Maybe we should Maybe. ask them. Um, but like, you know, I'm politically homeless or something like that. They're not going to like, yes, I'm far right. Yes. Hello, fellow Nazis. You know, they're not going to do that. Right. And if they are, you're probably <clears throat> speaking to a sock puppet account. Exactly. The UK conspiracy movement. Well, that's a very negative way of framing anything. I mean, these people would call themselves the truth movement, right? The, the freedom movement, the movement that marches through the streets saying we don't like lockdowns, things like this, and have various other opinions that we're not allowed to say on YouTube, right? The, you can call them a conspiracy movement, or you could call them from within, you know, something they themselves would acknowledge, right? They wouldn't acknowledge the way you're labeling them 
And therefore, I mean, alternative media? Fine, maybe. But conspiracy theory newspaper? Again, you're literally demeaning the people that you say you're going to be investigating in the very description of what it is that you do. And that's the point. Exactly. That's the point. And the thing is, they probably don't even realize they do it. They probably do it so unthinkingly. Well, this well, is just the conspiracy. I, su I suppose so. These people are probably the NPCs who've just absorbed the programming for the people who want them to think this way in the first place. Yeah. And all of this, once again, is just to make it so that you just shut up. Yeah. Shut up, oh, ignore yeah, what's exactly going around you. I saw somebody on Twitter, I forget exactly who it was, tweet a screenshot of this with the caption, this is the image that will flash through your mind as a Mizzy stabs you to death in the centre of London. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, but this, <laughs> if only I'd listened to those far-right yeah. conspiracy newspapers. <laughs> Just, again, who? no one would describe themselves this way. And I think the, the, the main litmus test for what I would call uh, neutral or um, I don't want to say unbiased but uh, or objective but journalism that isn't done with an ill intent is to at least frame the things you're talking about in a way that isn't intrinsically derogatory to the people that you are investigating right when I when I call them progressives that's a frame they will use themselves I don't call them communist rapists which is a frame they wouldn't No matter accept. how accurate it would it, be. No matter how accurate it is. It's a frame they wouldn't accept. I call them either the progressives or left-wingers or whatever, right? I will use something that is something they would accept because that's the fair thing to do. They don't do that. Well, realistically, what these people, they may, they may realise it, they may not. They're not playing journalism. They're playing politics. They're Absolutely. separating the friend from the enemy and then treating the enemy as the existential threat that they yeah. need to discredit at all costs. Truth be damned, but once again, well, it's much more effective if you think you're the, on the side of truth. Yeah. Uh, and so they put out an article about this as well. Uh, the, this is just a quick quote from that article. We've brought together forensic journalists and expert talent from across the BBC. Oh, my God. Like, do, you, do they think this is going to be in some way politically neutral imagine across the bbc like the bbc is something like 90 percent remain voting it's unbelievable how biased the bbc is well when you're in that biased bubble like, you do think that ridiculous left-wing positions are neutral you you would think if you want to have something that it we get, oh i mean to be fair in their defense they don't claim to be an an objective non-partisan organization that's going to fact check they don't claim that at no point in this are they like, oh, we're going to be objective, right? They will use that excuse when they start to target they, particular figures. They, they, they will, right? But then there's going to be a massive political bias in this. And the political bias won't necessarily be in the things that they say. It will be in the things that they don't say and the things that they target and the things they don't target. You know, they're not stupid. This Tucker Carlson spoke about this in the video that he put out. He's completely right, right? So this is going to comprise 60 journalists. 60. I mean, if they're all on like 50k a year, there's millions they're spending on this, right? Um, but they'll form a highly specialised operation of, f with a range of forensic skills of reading Google Maps, reading BBC articles. <laughs> See, we sourced ourselves and we looked at the map and, oh, I mean, look at the maps on the BBC article. It must be true. You know, again, circular <laughs> circular referencing there, right? And uh, and this is this is what they're going to be doing. So, okay, great. So they put this out on Twitter, and oh, thank God, they just got utterly ratioed. Just the, the a brutal, like, ban the BBC. <laughs> if I'm not already following, I should start. Yes. Uh, BBC Breakfast tweet launching the BBC Ministry of Truth brand, BBC Verify, hits 10k replies ratio. Uh, as you can see, 
Um, the if you click on the um the quote tweet there, please just see the ratio itself. Scroll down a bit, right? Thirteen and a half million views, one point one thousand seven hundred likes, over two thousand quote tweets. Yep, and that's just the quote tweets. Yep, and at the time when he tweeted, it was ten thousand comments. Like, come on, more than that now. It's bound to be more than that, uh, way more than that. But uh, but there, I just thought I'd go through some of the quote tweets because they're hilarious and correct most of it. Uh, first thing, bit on the nose to describe their own journalists as dif- disinformation correspondents, isn't it? Yep, great point. They are. I wouldn't have accepted it's, that it's, title if I were Mariana there. It's the most honest thing to come from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least they're being upfront about this, right? Um, another good point: the state monitoring dissidents isn't really very democratic. Says Roman, uh, the BBC launched a team of disinformation journalists. They'll assume fake web identities and expose connections between alternative media, foreign actors, and the far right. See video. Not only did the MSM spread misinformation three years, Stalinism has now arrived in the UK. And that is what this looks like. You know, this genuinely looks like, uh, like again, I wasn't over-egging it, but saying, well, look, this is actually a ministry of truth. Because this is a state-funded, state-controlled uh, media operation that is now going to start attacking free media outlets, non-state-controlled media outlets. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. And it's a young woman who's just like, yeah, so we're just here to help, blah, blah. I mean, you don't understand what you're doing, maybe. Maybe you are actually such a phenomenal midwit. You don't <laughs> understand that this is actually what state oppression well, looks like. These kinds of women, like Marianne, <laughs> who is in charge of these, these are the ones that you can trust to generally be true believers. Yeah. The, oh, these yeah, will totally. be the ones who've bought entirely yeah. into it. And she will be doing this not because she wants to crush the enemy because it's the enemy but because she legitimately does think yeah, she she'll, telling she'll the think truth. she's on a holy mission you know and she can just trust what the bbc has written in the article that she referenced earlier and she can just trust what all of the experts are saying because the expert would never lie and there we go job done she doesn't need to think any more about i it. have met many like her oh yeah same the Corbynistas, like this is not just like you know the the conservative fringe that is upset about this the Corbynistas are not happy about this at all because you know i don't like jeremy corbyn at all but I also don't like the BBC lying about Jeremy Corbyn, right? Uh, this great point from Jim here. Uh, when the BBC was forced to acknowledge that they edited an interview to make it look like Corbyn was answering a totally different question to the one he was actually asked, they hid the admission in the entertainment and arts bit of their website. Let's I go- was not aware of this. No, exactly, exactly, because they hid it, right? Because they hid it. Let's go to that article, right? If you go to the next one, John, this is the article itself where they had to publish uh, an actual retraction being like, yeah, the, the BBC Trust, which is a... Um, a an organization that monitors the lies that the BBC tells us, because they need that, apparently. Um, yeah, it, there was forced to track, right? Um, they'd asked Corbyn uh, a, a particular question about a Paris-style attack, and Corbyn's like, I'm not happy with the shoot-to-kill policy in general. And they had juxtaposed that with a different question, that answer. And so it's like, okay, look, Corbyn's answer's terrible, right? Obviously, if there's a terrorist attack, there should be a shoot-to-kill policy. Duh, right? Communist. Um <laughs> But he might be shooting his friends. But the point is, Corbyn's answer was so bad. Why did you need to lie about it? Well, why did you need to lie? What's the reason? Well, this is why, <laughs> if you're going to do an interview with this kind of thing, it's the same thing that happened with that guy, that Republican who got interviewed by John mm. Stewart earlier this year. If you're going to do an interview like this, where they are going to edit it and cut it up and make you look mm. worse or bad in the first place, uh, you should make sure that you have it in agreement that you get your own unedited copy yep. or bring your own guy in to film it and record it well, I, so that you can release the real footage. I don't... Excuse me, I don't know, actually know what happened, because this was like six years ago, so I didn't look into it I, I, further than this article. But uh, it's entirely possible that they did that. But the point, again, is just like, it's just natural to to them to lie. 
right? They 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 thought they were going to get away with this, and they did it. Right? Laura Kussenberg, she was the BBC's political editor for years, and she was like, "Oh, Laura Kussenberg." It's like she's a liar. She literally edited this to lie. Anyway, so the next one is again the uh, the far right. Uh, this is a woman who said a few thousand people are on the freedom marches. You see the footage of the freedom marches? Probably. I don't remember, though. A couple of years ago, when it was literally wall to wall, as far as the eye could see, walking through London, a few thousand. No, it, he was right. Tens of thousands. Sorry, she's right. Tens of thousands of people were marching. Of course, the BBC were like, well, small gathering in London today. It's like, you can't go to London because it's jam-packed from people saying we shouldn't be locked down. You know? But again... This is just the BBC. This is why everyone hates the BBC, for a reason, right? And uh, some of the best ones, though, Matt Letizia, really going for the throat on them. And who will investigate the misinformation that this organization spreads? You couldn't make this S up. The paedophile protectors just get more ridiculous <laughs> with time. Let it never be forgotten. Yeah, tell us about Jimmy Savile. Tell us. BBC, verify that, okay? Do me a favor. Uh, again, some just great ones. We found the culprit from uh, Reclaim the Net. Again, these are all just great, great outlets, really. Um, who's on? Who's behind all the disinformation? Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. It was me all along. And uh, Jordan Peterson had a great uh, take on this as well. BBC verified because the ordinary BBC cannot be trusted. He's right. <laughs> He's absolutely right. They can't. I mean, they've got. That's why they've got the BBC Trust to monitor them anyway. I mean, neither because they them, can't be trusted. Neither of them can be trusted. What? What BBC or BBC Trust or BBC Verify? Any of them. Yeah, no, Anything of with a prefix that begins with BBC. Of course should not. But, be trusted. but the point is, the fact that they have to have the trust board and then this verify thing, it just makes themselves look guilty of being like, yeah, we do we do spread a lot of misinformation. But also you, we hate all of these. I hate it. But the point is, it's a ministry of truth. It's genuinely what a ministry of truth is going to look like. And, uh, and now we have it. And we're paying for it because we have to. It's got my license. Actually, I don't know if we have a because uh, we don't we don't have a TV, you know, but uh, anyway, there you go. Yeah, easy peasy. Uh, moving on, then. So uh, it's time to talk about the Legend of Zelda. As we have found out over the years, uh, gamers can be a persistent bunch. They are the sorts of people who do not take slights lightly. Can and I can I just uh, preface this by saying I've never played the Legend of Zelda. I think I played Twilight Princess on the Nintendo Wii at my <laughs> friend's house. Right. About 15 years ago right. when it first came out. And it was fun. Well, and I always hear really good things about the games. And yeah. despite not wanting to look like a cuckold, I do kind of want a Switch just so that I can play some of these more recent Mario and Zelda games that have come out. Because they look like good fun. I, I've heard nothing but glowing things about they, Zelda. They look, do you know what they look like? They look like actually fun games, which is something that doesn't come out as much anymore. Yeah, it's hard to believe. They, they also look like they don't have much DLC. No. <laughs> And they also don't look like they're trying to shove progressive messaging down my throat. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty traditional Japanese storytelling. But even within that paradigm, the West still can't help, still can't help but try and just shove it down where it isn't welcome anyway. And on those yeah. sorts of narratives, uh, you did a recent premium podcast that Connor was hosting yeah. where you're talking about, is Jesus Christ a socialist? Because yeah, the left... Well, it's not just the left. Connor was schooling me. Oh, really? Well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because I'd, I'd made this uh, comment uh, in a conversation with Crowder like years ago, back when I was on the left. And uh, Connor was like, no, he's not. And I could, and he, he goes into really autistic. You could see his ears getting redder yeah, and redder. Yeah, yeah. But very he, visible with Connor. But he did a really good job on it. So, Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he did because Connor knows a lot about all of this stuff. He's yeah. a 
big no. Christian himself. It, it, he's got the receipts. <clears throat> I'm sure he does. He so if you want more examples of how the left, whenever they try and co-opt something like this, are just lying, let's be perfectly honest here, they are just lying about these things, check that out. Because yeah. the work that we do on the website, we put a lot of effort into it, we put a lot of work into it. And if you appreciate everything that we do, you should support us. Because we don't just do it for us, we do it for you so that we can dispel all sorts of myths and give you the information that's actually worth it. So it's, it only costs £5 to sign up for a bronze tier membership on the website, and that gives you access to everything. So please think about contributing and helping us. We do have a massive library of stuff. We've got a ridiculous library of stuff. It's very... Yeah. It's, it's chunky. It's great. It's it? thick and chunky. Anyway. And to start off with this, I thought I'd just point to a tweet that you put out, which yeah. I found quite amusing, because it just, just goes go to show the... the, the Influence, the influence that Gamergate has had, which is that even 10 years almost yeah, later, yeah. they still know. They still know that, okay. It's just not worth it. Yeah, it's, it's just, not, just worth not worth it. It turns out, riling up a, a group of people who are, by definition, a bunch of internet bound autists mm. who don't go outside very often and have a lot of spare time to do anything mm. will get you in trouble. We'll get, mm. we'll get your social media manager. A bigger headache than is worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Like we could put the rainbow flag on the icon, or we could just leave it, and it costs us nothing to leave it. And there's absolutely no headache there whatsoever. So can I can I just also point out uh, the shout out to uh, the Mr. Roland Rat <laughs> in, in the comment there? Famous Who Would You Do host, children's entertainer, <laughs> sheepskin rug merchant, um, <laughs> occasional butter dealer. <laughs> yeah, putting here the long arm of Gamersgate extends infinitely forward. He can't Utterly even boomers. get it right. Yeah. He Utterly can't boomers. even get the name of it right. But that's fine. That's incredible. So what, what I'm talking about, the most recent Zelda game came out and it's received quite a lot of accolades since it's come out like about two weeks ago where it says Tears of the Kingdom is now the UK's sixth best selling Zelda game of all time and there's like 30 of these things. It's one of yeah. those Nintendo series where there's yeah. Dozens of games that you can go through. Each one experiments with something different and is interesting in its own right. If you scroll down so we can look at this picture as well, <coughs> here's something else I like about these games, which will be expanded on in a moment, which is that Callum and I, a few months ago it was at this point, when we were yeah. talking about Hogwarts Legacy, Callum was complaining about the lack of actual clarity in right, video right, game yeah, graphics yeah, yeah. because you always get the fidelity argument where you want it to be as HD as possible. You want everything. You want to be able to see the pores yeah, in the character's yeah. skin when you yeah. zoom in on their face. No, that doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. What matters is me being able to tell what the hell I'm doing yeah. if I'm playing the game. It's supposed to be nice on the eye. And if you look at this, I can tell that the big green orb is the thing that I'm supposed to be thinking is important. Yeah. I can see the characters, the designs are pretty distinct, and everything is nice and clear mm. that I can look at there. So I think this hopefully would pass the Callum test. Just, just a quick thing, like I've never owned a Nintendo, right? I My parents bought me a Sega when I was like 14 or something. I had a Game Boy Advance and DS back in right. the day. And, it, and it's not like that I didn't like Nintendo. Like, I haven't like played Nintendo games on my friends. But one of the things that I find that's interesting about Nintendo is that they've just always committed to being as high quality as they can. Like, the games are fun. Right? There's never been any sort of avant-garde nonsense. It's like, you also here's another Mario game. You're going to jump on blocks. It's like, yeah, but that's what I wanted out of Mario. There you go. You know? I mean, they'll experiment within that framework, sure. but the initial, the actual gameplay, like with Zelda, is always yeah. always you, about exploring a, a big yeah. world and yeah, exactly. finding you, it, uh, having... Fun adventures. Yeah, you 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 know that it's going to be reliably of a certain quality with Nintendo. That's the as thing. far as I'm aware, you never hear any big controversial stories about Nintendo games coming out and being complete buggy messes. No, 
Never. either, uh, which is something that we'll get onto. And uh, further in this article, they say it's released May 12th, sold 10 million copies worldwide in its first three days. Very impressive, as far as Even I can Nintendo. tell. Fastest selling game in the history of the series and fastest selling Nintendo game for any system in the West, in Europe and America. And uh, Western developers, they just go, how do you do that? How? How? <laughs> Tell us your black magic. Tell us your secrets. Well, we need to understand. It, it begins by respecting the audience. Right? No, can't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're out. Well, yeah, well if, if, this, if that's Not what our it job. takes, I guess we've got to have to keep accepting that sweet, sweet black rock money but that instead is, of the audience's but, money. But that is literally the secret of Nintendo, though. It is literally, look, we have a franchise that we take care of because we know you like the franchise. And our taking care of the franchise is respecting your interest in this. That's all it's based on. Yeah, I think Metroid is one of their big franchises, and they released two or three games in a row that people didn't like very much from that series. Mm -hmm. So they just stopped for a while. They might be bringing it back soon, but they're not like, we're going to keep shoveling this crap yeah. down your throat. Like Again, respect for the other. Okay, we messed up on that, so we'll just stop doing that, and we'll do something that we, you, we know you do like. So it's just such a... Again, like 20 years ago, every company was like this. You didn't get the Bud Light... You didn't get the Miller, like, all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, um, John's saying old school graphics, good games, no microtransactions, yeah, no nonsense. Oh, yeah, 40k bolt I've, I've actually, I've actually got a copy. I'll probably stream it. Oh, like, retro pixel shooter. That yeah, sounds yeah, pretty yeah, cool, no, it, it, it looks great. Um, but uh, anyway, but the point is, like, it's just about respecting the audience. And that's the same with films. It's the same with music. It's the same with anything. It's just not hating the people that you want to cater to. Like that's, I mean, it's such a small step. Once again, the, the <laughs> Western developers, step. they just can't understand that. In particular, there's one Western developer who is particularly bad for this recently, Relax. which is one that I used to love. They did Crash Bandicoot, oh, yeah. Jack and Daxter, yeah. some of the early Uncharted games, one of my, some of my favorite games of all time, Naughty Dog. Mm -hmm. Their narrative director, according to this article, a guy called Josh Schur, was on Twitter praising the game, asked N Nintendo just how it managed to pull off such a massive accomplishment. They, and he was saying, oh, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's a, such a miracle. The way that the players are allowed to use various abilities to solve puzzles any way they choose, one of the most impressive aspects of the experience. That just used to be called gaming. Yeah. That used to be called gameplay. We decided that instead of having a corridor that had one thing that you can do, we have a big open room where there's a, four or five different things did, that you can did do. Did you ever play any of the... Um dungeon master games no i didn't ancient right you know it's the sort of first person dungeon crawler right yes i'm aware of it imagine imagine just how non-linear that game is literally you you used to have to sit there with um uh um square uh what's it called uh, the chart paper whatever it's called the you know the the paper is graph paper graph paper that's it right and you used to have to block it out to to figure out where the path was and so you had to map out the dungeon itself, yourself. Because otherwise you're just going to be lost in there forever. See, right? that's quite cool. I find that stuff even more immersive if yeah, I'm having yeah, to take great. it into the real world to figure yeah, out what it, I'm doing it, as it well. Was, it was genuinely great. I mean, obviously now with the internet, you just go and get one that someone else has done. But but this was before the internet that I was playing this. And so, like, you know, there, there was no hand-holding. It was just like, good luck, and you're on your own. And these guys are like, yeah, but I mean, it's, just, it's not just a linear corridor. But yeah, how are we going to preach? If they if they have multiple rooms to go into, then we can't put the big progressive posters in every room. Yeah, can you we? might miss it. Yeah, there, there you go. And this article as well that came out just saying that, yes, it's a masterpiece, but it's an ugly masterpiece, which I just think is... Is it? I don't think it looks particularly ugly to me. It's a bit cel-shaded, a bit dated, you could argue, but it looks damn good. But uh, like John was saying with 40k Bolt Gun, uh, that's obviously meant to look like Doom, like the original Doom. And it plays a lot like... In fact, it plays faster than the original. But like, you can, there's nothing wrong with that as a kind of aesthetic. 
No, there's you, nothing wrong. There's, it's, if it's a deliberate artistic choice, yeah. if it works, it looks nice. There you yeah. go. It's like pixel art now. There's and to be fair, the rest of this article is just praising it for deciding not to prioritize graphics over gameplay, <laughs> which is good. And one of the other things that they did, which is amazing, that mm. maybe Todd Howard from Bethesda might want to think about doing in the next article, please, John, uh, was that it turns out that they actually completed the game a year ago. Really? And then decided to take the entire year just to make sure that it won't it I, won't defecate on itself I, I the second of, it gets released into the I, public. I can't help but want to salute that kind of work ethic. I appreciate it. Can you even imagine? Like, I, I, like This is why I'm kind of annoyed that I don't play Nintendo games. They know? obviously care. And they care yeah, about exactly. the audience experience. Can you imagine if Fallout 76 had done this? <laughs> we wouldn't have all of those uh, glitch compilations. Rome. Total War Creative Assembly. Really? Are they yeah, bad like, for it as well? Oh, terrible. Oh my god. You should... Like, I remember... I've in, not played Total War. Like 2013, I think it was. When Rome 2 came out, I was a massive fan of Rome 1. Loved Medieval 2. Rome 2 came out and it was just junk. It was unplayable junk. Like, you, you'd normally, in the previous games, you'd have, like, regiments of men, right? So, it'd be, like, eight men deep, like, you know, ten men across. So, you've got these blocks of, you know, actual units of soldiers moving around. You move them and they'd fight and it'd be proper tactics. In Rome 2, when it first came out, they abandoned that and they just had amorphous blobs. Everything would just become two amorphous blobs that blobbing at each other. It's like, what? Why have you done this? <laughs> oh, right? Like five years later, it it all got fixed. But like, why did it take that? Yeah, why didn't you just? If, okay, if it took that extra five years <laughs> to be a game worth playing, don't why didn't you it. just? Yeah, just don't release it. Exactly. There you go. And exactly. the, I've got other examples here. Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, that was another glitchy mess. Yeah. There was the what was it? The, there are loads. There are just the, so many. It, it was the classic. Oh, my face hurts yeah. right now, which yeah. is why my facial animations are completely terrible. Yeah. Don't yeah. ask questions. And Assassin's Creed Unity. Do you remember the awful spaghetti faces glitches? Yeah, uh, but and the thing is, I I don't I wouldn't begrudge them if they were brand new studios who are like, look, we've got the essentially like the alpha of the game ready. Uh, we're going to release it so you can help us develop it by keeping us funded. That's fine. But that's not what these studios are. Bethesda, you know, all of these studios are massive studios. Ubisoft. They've Ubisoft, been around yeah. for 20 plus years. They've got no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. And Nintendo are genuinely just showing everyone up by being And Nintendo's been around for about 40 years. Yeah. And they just, with that 40 years of experience, they behave like a company that has 40 plus years of experience. Like, again... <laughs> Yeah, John's pointing out, remember the Nintendo Wii was a massive success because it had good games. You know, the hardware was inferior to the competition at the time. That's a great point. And everyone dunked on it for having inferior hardware, but it was massively popular, especially yeah. with normies. And, and on yeah. some of the cultural differences between how the West treats its uh, audience versus how the East does, uh, here's just a, the depiction of women. <laughs> on the left, we see women who look like women, and on the right, we see sh shaven gorillas. Ladies. Which company do you feel is respecting you as a woman? Do you see that one on the top right as well? Yeah. That's a particularly bad example because oh, yeah. that's the sequel to, I think, Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. And in the first one, she wasn't like the most... She wasn't like a supermodel attractive sure. protagonist, but she sure as, a he uh, sure as hell looked a lot better than that. Yeah. They actively made her more ugly. Yeah. Some well, people they suggest that they are doing this to make sure they do not upset the... Um, yeah, community who yep. will play their games. And then there was Abby in the bottom right corner, the protagonist antagonist yeah, the of L Last the of Us 2. are definitely angry about all of this. But, yeah. the, but this is the point. Like, you know, none of this respects what women are as women, right? At least the, the, the Nintendo ones are... I mean, look, the top one is not like a supermodel, right? But it's... it's Feminine. It's not just feminine. It's a, it, like advancing a female aesthetic that women might want to aspire to, right? They might like that. They might cosplay as that person. 
Oh, I, you know? I bet they are. Exactly. Already. No one's cosplaying as the one on the right. No one's cosplaying as <laughs> Abby. Let, you, me, let me just hit the gym for six yeah, months. You, she looks like the bully from Back to the Future. Right. She looks like Biff. Yeah, she looks like Biff. Yeah, exactly. Right? No one's cosplaying as that because that's not aspirational. That's not in any way virtuous. That's gross. You know, it's, it's actually, I find it totally disrespectful to women. And I say that as a misogynist. Well, <laughs> well we misogynists have a certain respect for women. Uh, well, obviously, I'm joking, but it's just gross. It's just gross. No, interestingly enough, uh, the one on the bottom right, Abby from Last of Us 2, she, yeah. uh, the, the developers are Naughty Dog, yeah. who's a level designer, yeah. was like, how do you do this game? Well, it turns out, once again, if you don't decide to try and make all of your characters hideous and androgynous and insult the fans for enjoying the protagonist of your first game so yeah. much joel was supposed to be the bad guy don't you know he was a base dad protecting his adopted daughter yeah. that's what the whole story was about neil Druckmann, who wrote it thought well i obviously didn't make him racist and evil enough well that's why everyone liked it that was genuine I, I never played the last of us but i saw lots of people talking about it why they like you're probably it. aware of what happens yeah, exactly. in the story as well yeah, exactly because of like this cultural diffusion because it had a cultural impact because people found the characters relatable and then the first thing he does is get this androgynous yeah. menace in the bottom but right the, to beat him to death. I watched, I think it was Mauler playing this one. Yeah. And it, it, it's just like, this character is designed to be evil and you're forced to join their side, basically. You're not just forced to join their side, you're forced to sympathise with yeah, her. That's exactly. what the narrative yeah. is trying to do. And at but one that's point, not a sympathetic character at all. You're forced to play as her in a boss fight yeah. against the main protagonist of the set of the first game, or at least Ellie from the first yeah, yeah. game. As if you're trying to hurt the audience. The amount of compilations I saw of people just letting themselves die. Yeah, in I that bet. boss yeah. fight because they were like no this is the good ending yeah. Abby dies <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ellie gets revenge they all go home I'm invested in the hero of the previous game and you're making me play the villain in this game to kill that but no I'm not doing it and I totally get it I totally but get it are, are you surprised when Neil Druckmann and I got this from a different he's an insanely woke in, oh massively you know, so because uh, I found this this is from a different article uh, John so don't worry about bringing it up I found it from an article where it said uh, Druckmann 2013 gave a keynote speech yeah. uh, citing feminist frequency yeah. Tropes as an inspiration. Big fan and of Denise Sarkeesian. Yeah. He also spoke fondly about Sarkeesian during the build up to the release of Uncharted 4. So yeah. we're not particularly surprised <laughs> that he decided to go this way. But nah. what, do, what do Western publications go, go on about? What do the big ones talk about? Polygon, they're your favourites, right? Everybody's favourite Polygon. Love Link, Polygon. Link Simple is a ass. gay icon, and Zelda fans know it. Um, but Link was not gay. Link, was a, Link is, in fact, saving the princess. Yeah. That's literally, because everyone's like, oh, well, Zelda must be the main character. No, Zelda's the princess that Link is... Again, I've never played it. I just know this from cultural diffusion. Link is the hero trying to save the princess. Once again, there are missions. If you go to the next link, this, <laughs> this is the article. There are missions where basically there's a mission in Breath of the Wild, I think, yeah. where you have to sneak into a city that's full of women. Only women are allowed in. So you have to dress up as a woman to do it. <laughs> right. And, oh, he's trans and now. So he's trans now. There you go. Link Twink confirmed. Yeah, there we go. And uh, the, 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 it's really funny, this article, actually, because it says it says down here, so uh, Quest, he has to dress and drag in order to uh, get into this city. Yeah. Um, to get the right clothes, he has to track down a man who snuck into the town. The person he meets is wearing traditional Gerudu dress, but after he confirms her identity and then literally squints at her face and body, the dialogue prompt either allows you to compliment her beauty or declare that she's a man. Oof. 
Essentially, the quest forces Link to clock a trans woman. The quest fails trans Zelda fans in so many major ways. You've always got the the option of complimenting. Obviously, if I were to play that, I would immediately go with the hold up. (laughs) (laughs) There's something going on here. Well, that's that's just amazing, isn't it? And I I love the the logic uh, further up the article as well. It just says, uh, oh yeah, we we love TransLink and we know that TransLink is a real thing because fanfic perverts... (laughs) <laughs> have lots of Rule 34 artwork online yeah, I was, depicting I was, him as such. I was just going to say, just because there's Rule 34 artwork of it doesn't make it yeah. canon. Thank this God. is This is porn-addled brains yeah. who cannot see anything that is that's the slightest bit androgynous and not go, this is about butt sex. But this is the thing, like Link, Link is sneaking into an all-women's city or whatever as part of a mission. Like, it's not... And this not is a the declaration same of identity. Final Fantasy VII. Cloud does yeah. the same thing. He has to sneak into a brothel at one point, right. and he dresses as a woman to do so. And it's made a joke of yeah. because some of the guys are like, "Ooh, hello there, <laughs> yeah, young, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. young lady." Yeah. It's not. It's not the point to go see. He was gay all along. No, yeah, he's it's trans- a joke. No, he's not. It's a joke because yeah. the Japanese actually have a sense of humor about these things. Shockingly enough, and then there's this cope in the next article as well, talking about oh, may have the series' first ever gay character. This new game. All right. And this is going to sound... Tell me if this sounds like familiar reasoning to you. So there's a character you meet who is the um, associate understudy of some great man uh, who's uh, really good in whatever field I think is an archaeologist or something. This is an aspiring archaeologist. He gets to work with his hero and you find his, his journal where he says, you know... I really wanted to compliment him, say how amazing he was. Uh, of course, I didn't actually say it. I was very flustered whenever I was around him. He complimented me at one point, and I was very flustered and couldn't say anything in return. And uh, th- this article just goes, gay, gay. This is, like, this, is like in, worship. this is like in Lord of the Rings, when they see Sam and Frodo, two yeah. men sharing a bond over shared experiences, and they go, this has to be gay somehow. But this is not in any way gay. This is hero worship. This is about having a huge amount of respect for the person that has just given you a compliment on your work, I assume. I assume it didn't compliment his figure or something, right? And was just like, yeah, you've done good work. Thinking, oh my God, you know, my hero just said I did good work. This is validation. Once this again, gay. this is porn brain. This is porn brain. You need to stop watching porn yes. or stop watching such perverted porn. Go back to missionary if you must. <laughs> but seriously, just stop it. This is not normal. You shouldn't be looking at normal platonic relationships between people and going, this is how can I make this sexual in some way? Yeah. Sometimes relationships just exist without sex. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? They, they genuinely can't conceive of a person liking or loving another person that doesn't involve their own genitalia. It's quite disturbing. Yeah, it's gross. It's very disturbing, especially given that uh, canonically Link's a Christian. You just can't, okay. you can't deny this. Here is Link... Praying to Jesus. Yep. And uh, people were freaking out about this, saying, no, no, he can't be a Christian. Christians can be twinks too. Well, he's not. Sorry why, to. Why can't he be a Christian? Is it like- Sorry to break it to you, and here's more proof. Here's him with a uh, cross shield in the next one. He's a, he, he's a warrior of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. even worse for the shippers who desperately want <laughs> him to be a uh, based tranny queer icon in the next one. It turns out that. Uh, Turns out, all those times he tried to save the princess is because he was in love with the princess. And she was in love with him. I know. What so a big shock. He- heroic Christian man goes to save a beautiful woman that he loves and loves him back. And then they get married and live happily ever after. Leftist most affected because he's not gay. Yes. So please, Western developers, if there's a lesson you're going to learn from this is uh, make good games. 
I don't care to see the sweat droplets individually rolling down this person's porous cheeks on every single game, and I don't care about the 30-minute cutscene of a bad rejected Hollywood script, you have to tell me. I just want to play a good game. So much to ask, isn't it? I know. Anyway, celebrities, my favourite people on the planet, uh, and they're doing great. They're doing great. Financially, probably. I mean, oh, like, well... Um, like intellectually, morally, they they seem to be completely falling apart and totally losing the plot. Um, Good. Now, you're going to be like, well, they've been doing that for some time. It's like, no, 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 this is something new and different. Are they but starting to break the programming? Some are. Okay. Some aren't. Um, the, the problem, though, is that the narratives of modernity are very different to what the narratives used to be like 20 years ago, right, before the internet. Uh, because it used to be that you had a very limited band of... Uh, television channels and entertainment and media, right? And so you would you would have all of the celebrities were famous because of this narrow band to a very wide audience. And so they really weren't exposed to insane conspiracy theories or radical ideologies. And so they were all quite normy in their own right. And so there was this like big normy sphere that they lived in. But now things are totally different and things are springing off in all directions. And of course, if like you're a normal boomer celebrity... Radical leftism looks like communism to you, because it is. And so you don't like it. So and at least that's it. the one thing the boomers get consistently right. Yeah, that is. And th you know, thanks to the Cold War, at least they're against communism, right? Mostly. Um, but, the, but the problem is, like, this new... Uh, the, the internet has given them a way to research any topic, any time. And in their sort of ivory towers, they come to some very interesting conclusions. Uh, so... I just think it's fascinating to watch like how they sort of are just splitting apart on all different issues. Because like I said, there used to be a kind of united culture that wasn't necessarily anti-Western, but it had those undertones to it, obviously. Uh, but now it's just crazed people going in all different directions. So I thought we'd just look at some of the funny ones. But before we do, um, I think that you should go and watch this hangout, what Mizzy reveals about London. Because, again, the... There are lots of things that are happening that are just very revealing about the unwinding of our civilization. The celebrities at the top are one thing, but the people like Mizzy at the bottom are another. And it's interesting how they're sort of coming together in the middle through social media. But the, what I'm saying is I think you can see the bonds that used to keep our civilization together totally unwinding. Mizzy at the bottom, people like Morrissey at the top. Now, Morrissey... Mor Morrissey has never been one to no. stay tight-lipped about certain things no. or one to stay with particular narratives. I mean, look at the Los Angeles Times here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a spicy headline. That, that, that is a pretty spicy headline. What, what is the white nationalist political party? Is he supporting reform? Is that what's going <laughs> on? No, it was Amory Waters uh, for Britain which is a civic nationalist party. So was that full Britain? Was it for Britain. For Britain. Okay. Obviously, it's a civic nationalist party. So British people who are interested in... It's disbanded now. Um, but British people who care about the interests of Britain uh, could join her for Britain party and advance the interests of Britain as a conglomerate multi-ethnic nation. Not a white nationalist party. But, I mean, Los Angeles Times, they don't care. It's going to lie. Right? Um... Uh, John says it's hilarious because they had loads of ethnic candidates. Yeah, because it was a civic nationalist party. Nothing wrong with it at all. Like nothing wrong with it. But um, but they say in this right, uh, he was a vegan and fervid supporter of animal rights. Right, and so he hated China because of that. 
in 2010, he was like, did you see the thing on the news with China's treatment of animals and animal wel- welfare? Absolutely horrific. You can't help but feel the Chinese are a subspecies. <laughs> Bloody hell, Morrissey. Oh, tell us what you really think. Yeah. Uh, just to say, I disavow Morrissey's opinion on the Chinese subspecies. Uh, uh, in response to Harvey Weinstein's downfall, Morrissey told German magazine Der Spiegel, I hate rape, I hate attacks, I hate sexual situations imposed on someone, but in many cases, one looks at the circumstances and think the person referred to as the victim is merely disappointed. <laughs> disavow. I mean, just disavow, right? Uh, close to home, Morrissey declared, London is debased on his website in 2018 uh, before demeaning Sadiq Khan's accent, writing he can't talk properly. <laughs> well, that's true. Sadiq Khan has got a constant, like there are flub compilations of Sadiq Khan just messing up a simple sentence. What are we getting Morrissey on? I, I would be very interested. Uh, oh, right, to talk said to Morrissey. Fred in touch with him. I don't know, but it, like Morrissey is, and he's been doing this for years as well. He's been I've really... known for ages. I I used to go on music websites to see what music news was going on, and then every yeah. other week there would be a new story about Morrissey saying something inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. uh, he went on uh, Jimmy Fallon with the Four Britain lapel. Oh, did pin. he? Yeah, yeah, and everyone's like, oh. uh, <laughs> and uh, he posted a video on his website ranting about, quote, social justice morons and white discontent, contrasted the ways in which the press covered Stormzy's criticisms of right-leaning politicians and Morrissey's conservative opinions on UK immigration. I mean, I, I think he's totally entitled to his opinions, and he is right he about just seems like social justice morons and the fact that the right do not get fair coverage like the left do. Well, most celebrities, they want to put the blinkers on and pretend they don't notice these things. So if Morrissey just Morrissey lets himself notice patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not one of those guys. Um, but uh, this same far-right blogger has railed against rapes and terror attacks, which has resulted from mass immigration. We're just going to state that without disproving it, because we cannot. Well, no, let, let's, assume, let's assume that he did. Good. Well, well no, that, that's, that's, that's what I mean. We're going to state, oh, it's, isn't it so terrible he's pointing this out? Well, yeah. you're going to disprove that it happened? Because yeah. you can't. The far-right blogger railing against rape and terror. Okay. <laughs> that bad? LA <laughs> Times comes out as pro-rape yeah. and terror. Sorry, what? Am I not meant to be on that guy's side? Right? That's right. We're progressives. We're on the side of the people doing it. Anyway, Noel Gallagher is a less controversial figure in this regard. Uh, but he, uh, in 2021, was like, oh, Prince Harry's a f- effing woke snowflake. <laughs> Which I like, I like it in the same breath he's coming out, oh, Prince William, I'm so sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. He, he sympathizes with Prince William for having a sibling who is shooting his effing mouth off. <laughs> Just great. Uh, Prince William, I feel that effing lad's pain. He told the son he's got an effing younger brother who's shooting his effing mouth off with S that is just so unnecessary. I'd like to think I was always the William. I was going to say, he's going to relate this back to Liam somehow. Yeah, yeah, it is exactly. It's exactly related to Liam, right? But to be fair, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I don't think he's wrong. Um, But uh, he called the prince to shut up. (laughs) Prince Harry is coming across like a typical effing woke snowflake, effing arsehole. Uh, Just don't be effing dissing your family because there's no need for it. Taking him at Meghan Markle directly, he said, quote, this is what happens when you get involved with Americans. Simple as that. Totally based. Basically simple as at the end there. He literally as simple as that, yeah. This, I mean, he is a proper mank, so this he, is he North is. FC rhetoric. It absolutely is, but he's absolutely right. This is what happens when you get involved with Americans. So, oh, it's black, it's black. No, American. American. Sorry, our American friends, but you don't belong to the royal family. Um, <laughs> just end Simple as. Yeah. Um, then we have, of course, uh, Kanye West more recently. Oh, <laughs> Alex Jones being the reasonable voice in the room. I still still look back at this and go, did this happen? Apparently it did. Did someone slip peyote into one of my drinks? I love Jews, but I also love Hitler. 
Kanye West 2022. Because I am Jew. Yeah, because I am a Jew. Yeah, it's it's just like, oh, what is going on? You Did know? he meet with Louis Farrakhan? Uh, I have no idea. He, he must have met with Louis Farrakhan at some point. Like, no idea. Because like, it seems that every five years or so, some famous black musician has this period where all of a sudden you start to see headlines... Michael Jackson praises Hitler. Mm. Kanye West praises Hitler. Michael Jackson <laughs> sees Louis Farrakhan. Kanye West sees Louis Farrakhan. They all do it they, every I, I five they years did. or so. I, I don't know, but what I loved about this is Alex Jones. Uh, he on, on this thing, he was like, you're not Hitler, you're not a Nazi, you don't deserve to be demonized. And uh, Kanye was like, well, I do like Hitler. And it's just like... <laughs> I mean, like poor old Alex Jones, who, you know, in good faith, is like, no, no, there are lots of people, and he is right, that are demonized as Nazis... And most of them don't go, well, (laughs) Well, (laughs) most of them go, that's right. I'm not an arty and I don't deserve to be demonized. Kanye puts his jack boots up on the desk. But Alex Jones being like a staunch libertarian obviously doesn't like Hitler, obviously doesn't like Nazis. He views like Nazis and communists in basically the same camp as being authoritarian, totalitarian. They would be state worshippers. Exactly, state worshippers. Right. And so like Jones is like, you can see him totally like, oh, fantastic. But like Kanye is obviously... Had some crazy things going on, and just as a quick uh, aside, you know, he got cancelled, obviously. And um, he, I think, he was everyone. going through a bipolar meltdown at I mean, the time as well. Entirely possible. Uh, I don't know what people around him were telling him, but surely it wasn't good. Uh, but this wasn't actually good for Adidas. Adidas had to admit this was hurting their business in North America in particular, because of course Kanye, one of the most popular black rappers around. All, all of the black community like actually we still want the shoes though. yeah we love the shoes he's a, he's a genius are they going to come with little swastikas on them now hey man I, I, nike probably is a german company i don't know what to tell you right but then you've got like uh other celebrities like robbie williams who just came out this recently uh he was on a podcast and we'll just play this clip because it's just like wow he sounds a lot like us actually we're in a post-truth world where you can't believe the media you can't believe Big Pharma. You can't believe politicians. You can't believe what you're eating. You can't believe yourself. It's, you know, if at any time in human, it, it, since we've existed, there is a time where this whole empire could fall, it's now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, of course these things are going to arise because we can't trust anybody or anything. And um, I personally just believe and invest in my wife and my kids and my family. And um, yeah, I, I believe in them. Great message. At the end, From yeah. Bobby Williams. I will say, though, that before that, he does sound like someone who is confused and like he's had his entire worldview shattered in front of his very eyes. It probably has happened to him, yeah. Like, it, that's probably exactly what happened. Most most of these celebrities, like you say, they, they are just struggling with modernity because yeah. they believed one thing, yeah. and then all of a sudden, 2020 happens, mm. and a lot of people start to question things after that, and then the, sudden, <clears throat> the second you start to question things, everything else exactly, yeah, yeah, you're comes crashing off, down off as well. the rails, and you'll notice a lot of these are boomers as well, or like, oh, you know, yeah. people who are like old Gen Xers, who are just like, but my whole life, I had like the pre-internet narrative, and I was secure in that, right? At the boomer truth regime, and now, I mean, we're anywhere, right? Like, we're just off, off in the wilds, we could be 
we could arrive at any particular point. I don't know that they're not flat earthers. You know what I mean? Like, well, that, that's the thing because when these people, when they do go off the reservation, they really go yeah. off the reservation. All of a sudden, after this one thing happens, they kind of don't stay in reality anymore because they've lived longer than we have mm. under this post-war consensus. But also in a remote and strange life anyway, the yes. life of a celebrity. So they end up, you know, going like, oh my God, everything I knew was a lie, so mm. the earth is flat then. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, there are Egyptian yeah. aliens hiding under the Himalayas or something like that. Quite possibly. And you notice that Robbie Williams there was like, look, so he had obviously just thought about this. I'm like, right, what, what do I believe in? Well, I believe in my wife and my kids, and that's an anchor to reality that I'm going to hold on to, right? Because everything else is not true, but this is definitely true. I've, you know, like I've got direct sensory input. It's right in front of me. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got strong bonds with my family, obviously. And so he's like, right, I'm just going to invest in that. That is an anchor of reality that I can genuinely believe is true and good and righteous, right? And that's you see a lot of celebrities going down this sort of route where it's they're, they're actually like Jim Carrey is doing finding God. I mean, because Jim Carrey has been on a wild intellectual journey. I, I will say, if you are a celebrity and you have this happen to you, the best thing to do is probably to keep to yourself and stick to your family because <clears throat> yeah, most, Williams probably has. I'm, I'm sorry, if you're a celebrity, the chances are you're not the brightest bulb in the box. Well, it's not even that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm that, going that, to be very harsh and critical. Of well, that. a lot of them are quite smart people. But the problem is they are in a detached reality anyway. Right? They, they they live in L.A., in a mansion, surrounded by other people who are detached from reality, living in mansions, right? And so a lot of these people are just, like, so far away from the real world as we understand it, as regular normal people, that they are just untethered, <clears throat> floating around. And so they're looking for something solid to grab onto. And for Jim Carrey, like, he... Do you remember a few years ago, he came out as... He was essentially like some sort of New Age Fruit Loop. Yeah, Jim Carrey has an interesting backstory. I'm pretty sure if I just check this very, very quickly, I'm pretty sure um, one of his ex-girlfriends or ex-wife or something killed herself because of certain I issues in their relationship. Yeah, yeah. And he's doubtless got um, a guilty conscience over things. But he also came out with all this new age nonsense. And now he's just arrived back at Christianity and is preaching religion. This is him in a bakery giving a speech. I don't know what the context is, but let's have a listen. They talk about omnipresence in church, and nobody really thinks about what that means. What it means is every cell of your body is God. Everything is God. Everything is divine. So when you do good things, when you tr decide to transcend the negativity and attempt to do something positive for you, for your family, you are the heart of God. You are the eyes of God. When you speak from that place, you are God's voice. And when you make a loaf of bread in this place, in this kitchen, that is a Eucharist. You're blessing people with your work. You're serving the world with your work, with your effort. That is a Eucharist. That is the body of Christ. You know, and I thank you for everything you're doing. You're amazing. You're champions. That's Ace Ventura. <laughs> mm. I, I don't know. I still, you know, he's Christian. That's good for him yeah. now. Uh, I still don't trust him to not be an insane leftist. Of course he's not going to be. But like, of course he's going to be insane and left-wing. But the point is, though, that this guy got famous playing a prat. And his entire Quite career. In, yeah, his entire career has been playing prats, right? 
And I actually really like a lot of Jim Carrey's films because he's funny, right? But this is like serious theological conversations where he's actually, and to honestly, he is actually making a good point because one of the major problems I think we have in the modern world is the disenchantment of the world. So, oh, everything's just material. And Jim Carrey's like, no, no, actually, it's all divine. It's all sacred. And we should treat it that way. That's actually a really good way to start, like re-enchanting re the world. And, I mean, he seems to be really sincere when he's coming across this, preaching the good word, saying that the bread you make is the Eucharist. You know, you're divine. I mean, that that's just wild to me. That's, you know, that's, that's a fair point. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, when Jim Carrey's on talk shows and stuff, you'd never have heard anything like this. Oh, of course not. Like this is he has been through a massive journey to get to this point. Um, just like Eric Clapton has been through a few massive journeys. I th no, I think J Eric Clapton, as far as I can tell, has been pretty consistent the whole That's way through. Fair, fair. Um, the uh, the Washington Post. Uh, this is from a couple of years ago, but still, um, they're just like uh, they they go through uh, they get they find people around him and. Uh, they say, in an increasingly polarised world, Clapton stayed out of politics. He was never one to pop up at rallies and marches. So it's been more of a departure to him questioning science, scientists on uh, certain websites. I've talked to other musicians, old friends of mine, these great players who, you know, will remain nameless in our conversation, who say, what the F is he doing? Said producer Ross Teitelman, who uh, he's, you know, credited with producing his albums. And uh, then another one, uh, his label manager through the 1970s says, quote, he's the anti-Bono. Oh, good. Based. Very good. Yeah, that's sounds... everyone hates Bono. Yeah, I know. I you hate don't Bono. want to be yeah, exactly Bono. <laughs> he's the epitome of someone who's there for the music, and he's never rubbed shoulders with world leaders and didn't want to. Right. And well, uh, uh, people saying that it's unusual that they thought, oh, I can't believe he's questioning scientists on anti-vax websites. No, I mean, I think I covered this last year hmm. when he when the vax came out, hmm. he took the vax hmm. and had some adverse effects from it. Mm -hmm. Uh, that were personal to him. I think he got some nerve damage in yeah. one of his hands and was worried that he would never end Tell up playing what, we are clipping again. this bit when we put it on a YouTube. Apologies. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's apologies. Fine. Uh, but he ended up having nerve damage in his hand and he was worried right. he was never going to be able to play again. Totally. And then he came out afterwards and said, hold up, maybe we should be more careful about this thing. Well, uh, Perfectly reasonable. Turns out he's just a lunatic. Um, and so Glenn Greenwald was like, look, this is, what, this is how they treat you when you start questioning the... Uh, <laughs> The narrative, and someone replied, yeah, but he did also endorse Enoch Powell and do a Nazi salute at a concert while ranting about immigrants and shouting racial epithets, Glenn. I know about this as well. I don't know about this, but that seems a little bit too far. Um, well, <laughs> the thing with the Nazi salute is probably not true, because what actually right. happened was in the 1970s, he got up on stage to play and got very drunk and started ranting about immigrants and started right. ranting about how Enoch Powell was right, I like Enoch Powell, right. all this stuff. And since then, stories have spread wild and fast about it, about how, oh, he was praising Hitler, he was throwing Nazi salutes. I doubt any of that was true, but one thing is consistent. He was praising Enoch Powell, right. ranting about how there were too many, many immigrants coming into the country. As a result, I think there were members of the um not not the specials no yeah uh, members of the specials mm -hmm. were in the audience and they decided to form the uh, the festival rock against racism as a result right, okay. of it okay so him saying well, too God. many too many immigrants they all decided no nah, this is too much for me right okay well moving on uh, james woods is arriving at the uh, scott adams position he's uh, noticing yeah every day every blue city never ending yeah yeah i mean scott adams is a good example J james well. woods comes out with we were never asked Basically, <laughs> <laughs> but again, just social media I is mean, doing this. J James Woods, I believe, has been a Republican for 
quite a long time. So. Oh yeah, he's been very vocal as well. Mm. Um, so it's not a terrible surprise, um, but it's just interesting. Again, you know, f- the celebrities are kind of finding their niches, right? Uh, you, you know, you got like the sort of Kevin Sorbos, James Woodses, who are just they just lean in hardcore Republican, don't care, right? Uh, and then you get celebrities, quote unquote, going the other way, such as the voice actress from Moana, who they're like, hey, we've got very few <laughs> worthy properties left to defile. Uh, we're going to make a live action film out of this very recent 2016 Disney film that was very popular, right? And it's like, okay, fair enough, uh, Moana, right? Well, I mean, since it was only like you know, just under a decade ago, then the cast are still alive and we could cast them. And so they went to... Uh, Dwayne Johnson was in it and he, yeah. you know, The Rock, he's yeah. in lots of things. And he, he would be a good Maui. Yeah, of course he would. Because obviously, right? And so this Alui Cravalho, uh, is there a picture of her, John? If you scroll through this, you probably find a picture of her. Yeah, there we go. That, that's what she looks like, right? She looks like a perfectly good Moana to me. Certainly, yeah. Right? She she's uh, she voiced Moana. Um, she's a native Hawaiian, but she's also of Chinese, Irish, Portuguese, and Puerto Rican descent. And she refused the role because she's too light skinned. But but you Literally. are Hawaiian. Yes, she is Hawaiian, but she also is of mixed race descent. <laughs> and because she isn't a pure blood uh, Hawaiian, no mutts like me. Could one drop rule in full force apparently oh in hollywood very progressive you know but she's she's not literally racially pure polynesian uh and therefore her skin is lighter than moana's is depicted in the film she's like i can't play moana because of the lightness of my skin mental nobody will care well take- there will there, there will be a bunch of racist left wingers but who cares who, well yeah, who cares exactly. about what they have to say take uh, the money <laughs> do the role do but- a good job bunch of anti-miscegenation left-wingers will be screeching but like most normal people be like hey that's the woman who played noana i recognize the voice you know but the point is celebrities are not okay they're not dealing with modernity well and they're fracturing in all different ways and honestly i mean i'm quite enjoying watching it to be honest like what what celebrity is going to come out and be like uh i'm against race mixing or i love hitler tomorrow (laughs) but you just don't know all right with that let's get into the video comments so I just wanted to recommend this old novella to Carl called The High Crusade. It's about a bunch of crusaders that are going to the Holy Land, and they get accosted by an alien spaceship, and they overrun it using the superior numbers, and then they fly it back to that empire, topple it, using it nothing but grug medieval logic. And then they convert them all to Catholicism. It was a very slapstick movie in the 90s, but the book is actually very down-to-earth. And actually really based. It actually addresses a lot of the issues you were talking about with Charlie Downs a few days ago. And I'll have to do a part two for this video just to kind of point them out. Yeah, okay. I look forward to the part two. Because, I mean, that is hilarious. I like the way you describe it as being down to earth. As the premise goes, it doesn't seem very down to earth. Eh. Close enough. Oh, is that... That's for a podcast series that will be coming out in June. It's called Mariana in Conspiracy Land. Uh, Having just reread Alice in Wonderland, I can assure you Mariana's analogy is more apt than she can understand. Uncomprehending, Mariana blunders through a world she cannot grasp and laughs at and belittles the characters she meets, not realizing they are logical satires on the world she represents. However, rather than being like Alice pointing out the absurdity of the trial of the Knave of Hearts, Mariana is transformed every inch into the Queen of Hearts and passes summary judgment on everyone she doesn't like. That's a great analysis. 
that that is a great yeah. analogy you've got going there. I, <laughs> that I didn't even think about that. That image that they've got for the. <laughs> That's terrible. I, I love the BBC, the way they pre-package all of these things with these promo images and stills and such. It's fantastic. I just, I wonder what their response to all of this is in the uh, in the newsroom, as it were, you know, because <clears throat> they're looking at it going like, okay, I mean, literally tens of, th millions of people have seen this and we've got a thousand people on our side, 1,700 likes. So that's the people on our side. Tens of thousands of people have replied to this saying, we hate you, everything about you. <laughs> I, if, if you weren't literally, like, forced... If I wasn't forced to fund you at gunpoint from the government, I wouldn't... I'm trying to think, once again, the... Organisations ban the BBC. A lot of the sorts like, of people who, who work there are the sorts of people that I would have associated with at university. If they're anything like the people that I associated with at university, these people are probably, you know, first thing, uh, first thing in the morning, they're running to the bathroom so they can cry and all of the girls can get together and they can weep together and try and reconcile with one another what they're doing. You know, I can't believe they hate us so much. There's so much misogyny in the world. To which I say, you asked for this, you yeah. brought this on yourselves. Don't be a Stalinist ministry of truth. So I've had the misfortune of meeting a centrist and a leftist. Now, the centrist asked what was my problem with left-wing rumours. And I explained, and eventually he agreed with me. And then I overheard the conversation he was having with the leftist. Don't listen to Harry, he's evil right-wing bigot man. Now the reason for this is because the centrist wants to be friends with everyone and asks why can't we all just be friends? I mean, of course, why can't the chicken, the farmer and the fox all be friends with each other, right? Doesn't work like that. That's a fair point. Yeah, that, that, that is a fair point. Yeah, ties into something that I say, which is that the quality of a movement is not the quality of its uh, necessarily the quality of its theory or philosophy or anything. It's the quality of the actual people who make it up. Mm. So if everybody in your movement is some jelly-spined, lily-livered coward, a Vorsch subscriber, a Vorsch subscriber, yeah. um, then you're going to have a bad movement. Yeah, I mean, we like I just kind of know we have generally quite a high quality. Yes. Of, uh, premium subscriber, anyway. Hey, Lotus Eaters. I'd like to say that I'm barbarian pilled, where I look at Western civilization and liberalism uh, through the eyes of a barbarian. It's quite revealing. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the concepts you guys have called negative rights just doesn't exist. That's a complete fallacy. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> some police officer has to die or put themselves in, at risk or at least put in some work to protect your right to free speech so that some leftist with a bike lock and a sock doesn't hit you and beat you to death. All these rights that we say that we have are all positive rights. Someone has to fight for them. This fallacy has allowed the leftists to just put their foot in the door because everyone knows it's bullshit and the conservatives don't want to correct it. Whatever. Very Evolian. I was about to say, that probably ties into yeah, the yeah, discussion you're going to have with Stelios later on today. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting as well because over the past week that I had off, yeah. I took the time to listen back to uh, a certain... Iranian scholar, academic oh, yeah. agent, his series critiquing libertarianism. Mm -hmm. And in the first or second episode, I forget which one of that, he takes on the Isaiah Berlin positive versus negative rights argument in a very interesting way because he found some paper that critiqued it all the way back from the 1960s or something. And it just came across as completely true to me, which is the idea of the negative right is going to be somebody else's idea of the positive right. So if you're mm -hmm. arguing with socialists and left-wingers, your right to be left alone is going to infringe on their right to not have people throw slurs at them. Yes. For instance, your right to free speech is going to infringe on their right to not be questioned. I mean, in what Al they do. Alex makes a good point that if you want to have like a legally enshrined right, 
then you need someone to uphold that, and therefore there's a positive action there. It isn't merely inaction that uh, upholds a negative right. I, I, He's got I, a good point. I, I think also labeling them as natural rights is completely uh, is completely inaccurate because the only right you have in nature is generally to be eaten yeah, by well, the thing next up yeah, on the food chain. Very few, very few actual rights exist in nature. Yeah, you, you get you have the right to a few things in nature: yeah. to be eaten, to freeze to death, or to starve to death. Yep. Everything else you need to band together and work <laughs> it out. Um, America's in hospice care says before the BBC and CNN and MSNBC, even that new garbage anti-conservative Fox News. Yeah, I don't know why they're going woke. Like, how are they reading the room and being like, yeah, we need to go more left? Um, I mean, before they're they taking the Tory line of thinking there. Before they go around presenting themselves as arbiters of truth and transparency, they ought to be required by law to put their political affiliation next to their names on every piece of news they craft and every time they are broadcast on tev- television and podcasts. They also ought to be mandated by law to cite every source of material they used and release to the public for scrutiny, but they won't as they're all left-wing propagandists. Uh, yeah, basically. What's going on with Fox News now? And I've been hearing oh. that they've gone anti-conservative. They, they, they have... Um, I mean, they had uh, the mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all that sort of stuff well, yeah. during the lockdowns. Um, but apparently recently, they have allowed uh, any gender people to use the bathroom that they identify as. So transgender people can go into the trans bathroom. So Tucker was the one, he was the last line of defense. He was the one blocking yes, people from going into the wrong toilets. Basically, yes. Jumping in front of them. No, don't do that. As far as I can tell, that seems to be the case. Good God. Uh, George Hap says, Poor Orwell, while working for the government, he saw everything coming and tried to warn us, but the proles never listened. Uh, Diogenes Nuts says, <laughs> uh, Imagine thinking any alternative media sources intent on spreading foreign-funded propaganda. Nice projection there, BBC. Yeah, why Why would I want to do that? Why would anyone care about that? Um, as Desert Rat said, uh, Hopefully the BBC Ministry of Truth meets the same fate as the one Biden tried to establish. Uh, well, this one's backed by literally the government in an established state uh, infrastructure. So, I mean, Biden trying to make one up unconstitutionally is one thing but this is just an a you know a, a, a growth on the side of something already existing I, I the only way to do it really might be to meme the people organizing it into feeling too much shame to carry on but they won't these people feel no shame they're probably being paid like 50 60k a year yeah that's enough money to look yourself in the mirror yeah. each morning isn't it um, S.H. Silver says, mm, yes, government and business joined together to propagandize the public in accordance with their ethical agenda. Very liberal, not fascist at all. Um, well, actually, I don't know if this is business joining together to do it. I think it's just entirely the BBC using mandatory state funds in order to go after the the free competition. Yeah, That's I, just don't, what it I is. don't see where the um, business comes into this personally. Sketchy Wombat says, so let me understand this. The BBC Verify has fake accounts in order to verify things. Do these people ever think their actions through at all? No. Uh, Omar says, with the BBC's track record and its conspiracy notices, I like that, um, the Ministry of Retractions might be more appropriate. Chances are they weasel their way out of admitting being wrong with something along the lines of, it was reported as we knew at the time. Uh, this despite internet randos finding information to the contrary easily, freely available, and faster. Yeah, Elon Musk's Twitter is doing such a better job with the community notes. Do you want to go on to the next bit? Yes, uh, so on Zelda. So Tina Morland says, When I was a teenager, several of my friends and I were testers for Nintendo, and I love them for working for their customers like a good company does. That's really cool, actually. Mm. Uh, that was one of my initial dream jobs when I was still oh, about I 14 years old. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can play video games for a living. Wonderful. Yeah. In fact, actually, that was something interesting about 
Naughty Dog as well. They were mm-hmm. talking about um, in one of the articles that I found. Uh, what was it? Um, they they had games testers for Uncharted Four, and they were they they uh, the, Neil Druckmann. He said, "Oh, you know, we were coming up with the story, and at first I was going to have it be the main character has a son, and then one of our art producers or something was like, oh, why can't it be a girl?'" And I thought, you know what? You're absolutely right. This can't be. This this should be a girl because it makes no real difference. So I'll just do it that way. And then we had a load of really sexist video game testers when we were doing the checks for all bugs and everything, who were really annoyed about it, saying, "Oh, not you too." And it's like, yeah, that's the best way to pe- treat yeah. people who are going to be because it was focus test groups. That's the best way to treat people who are going to be making up the majority of your audience is to just go oh don't like it sexist but but it's not it's not necessarily wrong for them to have the father-daughter story there's nothing wrong with that no but i think the whole point was that the (laughs) idea was in the future games she was going to take on his position from him Hmm. and a lot of people of course would probably say well it's more of a a, a father-son thing to take on the mantle from the father etc etc fair enough and also you can you just know that they're doing it for progressive reasons yeah if if he wasn't like a massive sjw I wouldn't have a problem. That's the thing. If it was being done for sincere reasons, yeah. you could excuse it. But if you're not, if you if you're already a massive progressive, you know it's motivated politically. Yeah. Anyway, carrying on with Tina, uh, they listen to the audience and follow their suggestions. I've played every Zelda game and I'm currently playing Tears of the Kingdom. It's one of the few games I allow my boys to play because it's still wholesome with a good message. Right mm. against wrong. Do your best. Keep trying, and it will pay off. Help others, and the latest ones even have Link cooking for himself instead of just drinking potions. I do not see any kind of transy BS in any of them. In the last one, yes, Link had to dress up in the Gerudo. Cl- ladies clothes to sneak into the female-only town where men are forbidden in order to continue his quest, but then he was able to buy the male Gerudo clothing and continue on to save the princess. Leave Link alone. I mean, it's obviously just a joke. Yeah. It's obviously just a joke. The Japanese games are very famous for it. They're doing a a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, which I don't trust many of these remakes, but if it's being done by in-house at Konami, maybe they'll do it. But in the original game... There is a, uh, a point where you can... Oh, what is it? Uh, everybody hated Metal Gear Solid 2 when it first came out. People have reevaluated it since, but one of the things they hated about it was instead of playing as hyper-masculine, super cool... Um, Solid Snake. So- Solid Snake, who's based on uh, uh, Snake Plissken from Escape from New York, instead you're playing as uber-effeminate Raiden, who looks like a girl and is a lot whinier and has a girlfriend who completely whips him through the entire game. In the third game... To apologise for that, right? Um, there is a character who is supposedly Raiden's descendant that you can run into, who is uh, so androgynous that when he meets the main bad guy of the game, or one of the main bad guys, he's so confused that he's like thinking that he's a woman. And even actually, no, to be fair, even in Metal Gear Solid 2, when you meet the president in that game, the president, the first thing he does is grabs Raiden's crotch to check if he's a man or a woman. Jesus. <laughs> he's like, oh, thank God you're a man. I didn't want a woman saving me. It could have gone really wrong, though, couldn't it? It really could have. <laughs> uh, someone online says, Link's whole quest is to save the woman he loves. He sets everything between himself and her on fire and stabs it. He's not gay, and Gerno je- gaming journos are threatened by him. That's right, they just can't yeah. stand Link's overwhelming masculine energy. Well, I mean, he's pretty Chad. He is pretty Chad. He gets the princess at the yeah, end. Yeah, kills so everything, gets the princess. What more do you want? He literally ki- kills the embodiment of evil that exists <laughs> in Hyrule. Literally the heroic Western masculine narrative. And in one of the games, he can turn into a werewolf as well. So, there you go. Yeah. Shaker Silver, it's amazing that if you just make a polished and good game, not focused on pushing a partisan message or sucking consumers dry of money, then it will, uh, that it will do well. Imagine my shock. <laughs> Again, it's just such basic bitch things, but it's so true. Western yeah. Western developers, like, show me the marketing secrets, unearth them. How? Yeah, but how does this help promote 
kids shoving things up their butts. It is always the same. It doesn't mean, isn't it? Yeah, it just doesn't. I'm How sorry. How does helpers say to play? Um, yeah. sell games. Sell games. Yeah, exactly. It's. <sighs> Alexander Dake, disrespectful towards women. Perhaps I treated Sony too harshly. <laughs> in seriousness, Sony went downhill with having their HQ in California. Most Doubtless. of their executives are just playable mo- uh, ex- exclusives are just playable movies anyway, with very shallow gameplay. The only good things they have are from uh, FromSoft's games, Bloodborne and Demon's Souls. There's really nothing else PlayStation has of quality. And even then, I love Bloodborne, but Bloodborne has terrible frame rate issues because yeah. of the hardware it was on. It was far too ambitious, and Sony don't let their games be released on PC, or at least they've not let Bloodborne be released on PC. And everyone would love Bloodborne if you could just get it at 60 frames per second instead of dropping down to 10 frames per second in certain areas. Very annoying. General High Ping. Part of the charm of early video games was the level of achievement versus the capability of the hardware. Silent Hill uses fogs due to the limitation of the PlayStation 1, yeah, for example. Yeah, that's a great this point. This is a classic one. Yeah. You work within the limitation. Yeah. Modern games have advanced leaps and bounds, but the level of achievement isn't matching the rise in hardware capability, in my opinion. So many games are visually stunning, but completely lacking in any meaningful player engagement. I agree with everything, and mm. I also noticed the Silent Hill reference there. I have started playing that PlayStation 2 now that you sent, hyping, and I will get on Silent Hill 2 as soon as possible so that I can do some content but on that. He, he's, he's making a great point there. It's art from adversity, right? Like It's being innovative within limits forces you to be creative, you know, to, to operate within a limit. Like ha- having, oh, we've got this amazing hardware that can do anything now. It's like, yeah, but they're not going to do anything good. You know, they're not limitations are genuinely important to the artistic process. This is why when we were talking before the stream about like fat rich boomer bands producing trash music, it's because they're not limited by anything. I swear the limitations is a part of it. Yeah, and to be fair, some of the bands that I brought up who have come out with more good recent material as well tend to have come off of a period where people have been very critical of their material. So they probably feel like they've got something to prove yeah, again for the first it time. Probably yeah. Sophie says, there is actually a gay character in this game, but not the one in the link. His name is Bolson, and he was also in the previous game, so not even a first, but yeah, you can look him up. He comes complete with pink pants and earring in the right ear, and of course, since it's Japan, he just played as a funny joke character, because that's what they do. Yeah, look up Zelda Bolson. I'll look that up. That is always the funny thing as well. Whenever, whenever gay characters do show up in Japanese games, they are the most hilarious stereotypes you've yeah. ever imagined. Yeah. Uh, back to Diogenes Nuts says between Nintendo and From Software I'm convinced the Japanese development studios are the blueprint going forward in the woke economy they are willing to make less money from a smaller pool of customers in order to make a product that works it's fun and respects their customers and they don't apologize for it well even with this new Zelda game you don't have to make less money they are yeah. setting entirely new records with it for their own uh, for their own company and for their own brands like Zelda itself so yeah. oh yep click, <laughs> click on that one uh, go that uh, no no the the uh, the art. There we go. Yep, that's that's a pretty typical depiction of uh, Japanese gay characters. They have to be as flamboyant yeah. and androgynous and gay as possible, really. It's annoying when they link to the wikis and the image you're looking for is even tinier. There we go. <laughs> I mean, looks pretty gay to me. Yeah, I guess. Yep, there you go. Sophie again says, Oh, the game is very pretty. Played it since its release, and Zelda are always nice looking and with very good artistic choices in design. This game has so many different environments desert, snow wasteland, underground, dark land, high up islands where you fly around. Super bright and pretty. I am very relaxed while playing. That sounds lovely. Once again, I might need to get it. 
I might need to. Right. California refugee, Japanese translators are an infiltrated business. I've seen some subtle and not so subtle changes made by woke reactionaries. It makes me untrusting enough to try picking up learning Japanese again. I trust just uh, I just trust so little by these translators. Or I should or should I say translators, Keck. Very clever. Ignacio Yunkira says, Link is a hero through and through, question around, uh, questing around the land to save its people, unravel the mysteries that afflict it, and saving his princess. Nothing can change that, and we need to understand that despite what localizers want, the game was made by Japanese people, and the fact that Link has to cross-dress in the prior game is a joke, because their humour is like that. Yes, correct. Our humour used to be like that. Yes, that used to we be used a, to have a sense of humour. Like, that's what Widow Twanky is. You know, I've it, never like, heard of that. It's from... Uh, like is it some theater production is it, it's like um don't worry you, you can you can google it you can zoom it. i will zoom this yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're not careful this is an ac- academic agent i can just see his tweet being like you know cr- cross-dressing is a form of humor that they do in the theater theater is something that you do <laughs> <laughs> humor is when you attempt to amuse your friends exactly yeah uh brian <laughs> brian says there's i do love those tweets though because it's exactly how condescending i feel towards <laughs> Brian says there is a polar opposite between the views of younger current performers that need to kiss ass for attention and older stars who have made their money and can say what they want. Uh, yes, there is, and but there, there's also the just the going off the rails, man. Like when they when they leave the sort of authorized band, like they some of them just go totally mental. Well, like you say, they live outside of reality as it is. Post-war consensus boomer truth is like the one yeah. tether yeah, keeping yeah, yeah. them down. The yeah. second that's cut. Pff- off into the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, London is debased, says Morrissey. Morrissey is based, says Ross Diggle. Uh, <laughs> he appears to be. Um, Derek says, I like Noel more and more as time goes on. Likewise, it's Liam who is always the annoying twat. Yes. Which is why you can totally understand. I mean, like for anyone who's not British, you might not know uh, the very public drama between Liam and Noel Gallagher. Oh, it's been going on since before I was born. Yeah, exactly. It's literally older than Harry. Uh, and uh, Liam always seemed to be the annoying twat. He, uh, like I never I think liked. He is races. the younger brother as well. He is, yeah, so yeah. that makes sense. Exactly. So it is a kind of William and Harry thing, and so I can totally see why Noel's like, yeah, I totally get why how William feels about this. To yeah. be fair, do you Show know? Paris. Do you know the story of how Noel joined Ginger. joined the band? No, he was never in the band to begin with, and they always wrote terrible songs. Mm-hmm. So Liam knew his brother's a good songwriter. Mm-hmm. Says, "Can you join the band?" Noel says, "Yes, as long as none of you write the songs." Based. And then for the first few albums, they did that. And then on the albums where everything started going downhill is when he opened it up and let them write songs as well. Yeah, because, I mean, Noel Gallagher was so obviously the talent behind Oasis. So obviously the talent, you know. Like, it's just crystal clear that Liam Gallagher was just annoying. I don't even know why I don't even know why he's allowed to be the singer. Noel Gallagher's got a better singing voice. Yeah, it's less whiny. Yeah, Liam well, Gallagher's singing voice is atrocious. Their mum was probably like, oh, come on, boys. Yeah, you got to yeah, let him sing, Yeah, Noel. come on, Noel. Oh, all right, mum. Uh, Kevin says <coughs> you can't believe what you're eating came through in a report that say, came out saying that uh, vegan hot dogs not only contain meat but also human DNA Jesus I was meant to be a vegan and now I'm a cannibal but that but he's like in general though that's a great statement like uh, I've been radicalized against seed oils because of the people I follow on Twitter and I look at like some of the stuff where you, it's just like mayonnaise got seed oil in it oh my god how Meant to be vinegar and emulsified bloody eggs. Like, how is this the case? And just everything, everything you eat is seed oils in it. It's like, my God, these seed oils I'm convinced are killing me are everywhere. (laughs) 
I don't know anything. You're reading too much raw egg nationalist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's totally radicalized me on seed oils, man. (laughs) It's not just him. There's a whole group of them. Oh, I follow a lot of them as well. Yeah, and there's like just use butter. I'm like, I do prefer butter. Everything tastes nicer with. This is confirming all of my biases. Uh, And so yeah, I've I've, olive oil and butter is what I cook in now. Charlie says uh, regarding celebs in the real world, in my in my opinion, I view celebs the same as the Byzantines and Greeks did. Do blisters whores for attention and flesh? that would sell their mother for another five minutes of fame. In the world of Ricky Gervais, if ISIS had a production company, they'd be onto their agent. Now shut them, Dars Monkey. Yeah, that is true. But I think there is also a way of approaching this, which is, I mean, that is true. Don't get me wrong. And in my, in my less charitable moments, that's definitely how I feel about it, right? But there's also a part of me that thinks, well, they didn't make themselves, right? Because all of these celebrities are the product of an industry that is designed to create celebrities, Right, and we're getting to the end point now, where actually they don't need that industry anymore. Now they can just have organic reach, and so we're seeing organic celebrities pop up, right? Like you know, public figures that just have things that the public want that like don't Mizzy. require, like Mizzy. <laughs> uh, well, hey, Mizzy went viral, man. You, no, I know, but there are but there are lots of them, and like one of them came up on my YouTube feed the other day. This guy's got like six million subscribers, and he plays music, and I was watching it, and. It's like a tortured Londoner, basically. You know, being like, oh, London's hell, I hate it. And I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. It wasn't for me, but I could see why lots of people liked it. Totally understand that it you know, resonated with a lot of people. He didn't need, you know, he's, it, it appears that he just grew this audience. And so these celebrities are kind of, they're also people trapped in a particular paradigm. That once that paradigm is something they're able to step out of, then it's a brave new world, man. Uh, they're they're all on their own and you know uh diogenes nut says ace venture is a little confused but he's got the right spirit that's the thing it's just like i didn't have jim carrey being a christian preacher in 2023 i certainly when i first started watching his films i certainly didn't see it coming no when he's squeezing out the arse of the rhino i wasn't thinking christian preacher right there (laughs) (laughs) he probably wasn't either when he's kissing the tranny i'm like christian preacher (laughs) um SH Silver says, funny you bring up Jim Carrey. The Truman Show is good analog for disillusionment in the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a good yeah. film. Yeah, it is. Uh, Derek I'm a says, big fan of um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind as well, if you've ever watched that. I have, but I can't really remember it offhand. I'd say give it a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. It's I did it. watch it, uh, but I, I think I was playing a video game or something at the same time. And I realized it was actually one of those films you have to pay attention to to get yes. what's going on. Um, I thought, oh, Jim Carrey film. And so it's my thought. Uh, <laughs> Derek says, Jim Carrey, you're not really God. Christianity, Christianity is not pantheist, but we are made to be in communion with God and we should do that. Keep it up. Well, I, what he's saying is if God is something that permeates the entire universe, then God is in every cell, right? Theologically, you kind of have to come to that conclusion, but I know I'm going to start a massive, massive conversation about that. that I'm just not prepared for. But, uh, <laughs> but I, can, I can see where he's going with the sort of logical implications. Uh, and what it does is creates a magical universe, which is, I think, a good thing. I think we should have a magical universe. Um, so anyway, uh, Omar says, uh, one of the pitfalls of centralizing all truth in government is that when they are inevitably wrong in any single institution, all the other institutions are called into question, like a reverse gelman amnesia effect. You suddenly find the foundation for all your current assumptions are gone. Yes, and they'll never admit it either. That's the problem. And they're all, they're all locked into, into the, the same narrative. And, I mean, the, the COVID vaccines is the best example. There's no way I'm getting that effing clot shot. No. And I, I don't know how anyone can trust it. But they're all committed to the Matt Hancock. No, it's perfect. No, it, shut up. Shut up. 
anyway anyway with that that's all we've got time for remember that later on at about half past three today we've got the book club that yep. you're doing Capilla. on julius Evola part one with stelios which will be very interesting so uh, if you've got a premium membership please tune into that later and uh, until then uh, we'll see you tomorrow take care and goodbye Thank you.